Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, this is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your host of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by the curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contributions of small and medium-sized businesses around the world by exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person performance from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their business, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to episode number 28 of the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Peter Barber, founder and CEO of Sino, a tech platform that is disrupting the wellness space by providing corporate teams unlimited virtual access to practitioners in mental health, fitness, and more. Building on his own experience as a wellness director, Peter saw an opportunity to better support employees' needs and began working on Sino back in 2017, which today is used by corporations across Canada. Welcome, Peter. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, and your journey? Yeah, um, so um, I'm a kinesiologist by education, um, and uh, so this would be my second business that I've started. My, my first business was um, a smaller kinesiology studio. We did um, um, rehabilitation services, personal training services, and corporate wellness services. Um, when uh, when we started doing these corporate wellness services, we started running into some challenges of actually physically going into places and offering, you know, um, lunch and learns, webinars, uh, on-site yoga classes, things like that, um, in that a lot of companies have distributed workforces. Um, and so the challenge was, okay, so if, if I'm a company and I'm in Manitoba, but I also have employees that we have a location in Ottawa, another one in, in, in downtown Toronto, how, how do we offer something that's comprehensive and equal uh, to every single employee no matter where they work? Um, then compounded on top of that, we saw more and more people embracing remote work. So this is again back in like 2015, 2016, this sort of, sort of time frame, um, really before obviously the pandemic remote work is now the every second word that people say. Um, so, so in 2017, we realized that, you know what, um, 
Um, we want to double down that piece. We think we can come up with a virtual solution that really removes the barriers to the accessibility of healthcare for employees um, everywhere. And, and that's kind of where we, we landed on Sino to come up with this uh, corporate uh, marketplace model that gives those employees, uh, empowers them with the choice to be able to choose the right type of uh, health and wellness provider that's going to be right for their journey. Mm, fantastic. So it, it almost sounds like throughout your journey, you've identified some problems with regards to remote workforce and also um, deploying a platform that can reach across organizations, regardless of, of where geographically they're located. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the traditional methodology of, hey, you got group benefits, uh, you, ha- you might have an employee assistance program, and and the company might pay for half your gym membership. Those days are kind of gone. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll go away completely. Um, I think it'll always be a part of the journey, but people are realizing it presents a lot of massive gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, those are the gaps that we're filling right now for the companies that we service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I really like, Peter, how, like, how the journey has progressed from your own experience of having this company identifying this gap and then actually going out and building out a platform to address it. It's always nice to have an idea, but actually take action on it and put it into, uh, into the works is great. And so I'm curious, what does the word performance mean to you and what role has it played um, in this journey in creating Sino? Um, you know, I, you know, I, Ideas are a dime a dozen. Uh, executions, everything, um, and uh, and I, I think that that's kind of um, how I've kind of lived my life. Uh, performance, I think, is a function of just pulling the trigger and doing things. Um, my my mom used to tell me if it, when we weren't hungry uh, around dinner time, she says, "And eating is what starts the appetite." Um, and so the way that I look at performance is about it's about taking the first step, even when you don't really know where the second or third one might be. Um, and so, but by, by taking that first steps, it, that the, the eating has the appetite of what the next steps are going to be. Mm. Um, and so, performance is one thing, you know, like when you're actually doing something. But I think even before performance comes the first step of action. Um, and most people that I run into, um, they want to know what steps three, three and four are before they take step one. And as a result, that's the thing that's holding them back the most. Um, uh, call it a little bit of maybe blind stupidity on my, on my side, but um, you know, I, one, one thing that I, I, I count myself as being good at is, is taking that first step without knowing the third and the fourth step necessarily, and just mm-hmm. knowing that we're going to figure it out as we go. And, and so that, that's really been my personal journey experience when it comes to performance. Mm. And you said something really interesting there in the sense that most people want to know steps two, three, and four prior to taking step one. So, you know, reading between the lines, there may be some reservations there or some fears. So for you, what is the thought process around just taking action? Well, I, I, a good example is how Sino started. Sino didn't start as Sino. It started as a, a concept called My Trainer Online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I was just finishing up with uh, with a project that I was on and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And, 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 and truthfully, I wasn't quite sure. We, we, we understood this this gap in, in, you know, in the corporate wellness piece. But um, but so we, we started building out this platform. Uh, and, and originally it was mainly just for people doing uh, um, online personal training, no video. Uh, it was all pre-recorded stuff. And, uh, and 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 frankly, I wasn't even overly enamored by the idea, um, but I just knew that I had to start something. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I started that and I started gaining a little bit of traction in that area is what led us to, and getting that feedback from those clients is what led us to, to, to that next step. Um, so I'm not sure I answer your question specifically, but, but th- that's kind of my take on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm curious, Peter, and you mentioned, uh, you know, Ange touched on it as well, this idea of, you know, taking that first step without knowing steps two, three, and four. Um, has it always been that way for you? Or was there a transition into doing that? Uh, what, what does that look like? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, um, you know, a good example, like w one job I had really early, um, I was in my, my, my second year of university and uh, people presented uh, work terms for you to do as a part of your kinesiology degree. And, and I, I didn't like any of them. So, um, so instead I went out and, and applied for a job to work on cruise ships. Um, and so I, uh, I, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty left field. And, you know, at the time I was 19, um, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. And, and I, uh, they invited me to an interview in Toronto. So I had to fly to Toronto and do an interview and, and they accepted it before I knew I was on plane going to London, England to get trained in to, to go off to cruise ships in the Caribbean. But, um, you know, I didn't really know what was going to come next. All I knew is that I didn't want to do what the norm was. Um, and, and I didn't like the options that were presented to me. So um, I knew the first step was applying. Um, and, and, and going. Uh, it turned out to be an amazing experience for me and probably one of the, one of the more life-changing experiences that led me to where I am today. Um, but uh, but I think that would probably be one of the best examples. So that's at 19 years old. I, I don't know if I can go any further back um, <laughs> to provide context as to why I am the way I am, but, uh, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And in hearing that response, it kind of prompts me to, to be curious a little bit about your learnings. What has been the biggest learning as a CEO for you? Um, the biggest learning, uh, revolves around, um, listening. Um, you got to listen to your employees. You got to listen to your clients. Um, ironically, the answers to what you should do as a business usually lies within, um, uh, people talking to you and telling you what they want. Most mm -hmm. people just don't want to hear it. Um, you know, most people say, I think this is right for my platform. This is the new feature that I need to do. Um, if, if we don't talk to our providers, we don't talk to our end users or, you know, I, I, with Sino, we're very unique in that we have three stakeholders within um, within the people that we service on the business development side. So we have the end users and those employees um, within the companies that use it. That's one. We got to make sure they're happy. We got to listen to them. Then we have the HR managers and people in culture, uh, people that we got to sell to. And so we need to listen to them and account management uh, with regard to them. And lastly, we have our providers. So we need to listen to them, make sure that they're happy and, and what, what sort of features and needs and support do they need as they journey through it. Um, so um, it's very easy for me to sit, sit back and, and assume. And I think, I think assumptions are probably the biggest danger when it comes to a CEO is making those decisions and assuming it. But, um, but I make a point to sit in on, uh, we, we do one month um, a kind, of, kind of conversations with all of our clients and, and understand feedback. And I make a point to attend all those sessions uh, because that feedback is going to tell you what the next step your product is going to be almost mm -hmm. every single time. Uh, you'll, listen to the, you'll listen to the commonalities amongst all these different conversations. Um, and, and you'll find out this is exactly what your product should look like uh, because this is what the client is telling you. Um, so I think listening is probably the best thing from a, from a learning from a CEO. For sure. mm. And I'm hearing it in part of that listening is letting go of what your assumptions are and working towards or past some of those things that you don't want to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, you know, I've only learned this because I've, I've made the mistake so many times. Um, so, um, you know, like, I, you know, we've gone out and built features and just because we thought it'd be cool and that people would like it and, 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 and nobody used it because we didn't ask. Um, mm. You know, we, 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 diff we definitely made the assumption that, that this was something that the market wanted or that the users wanted. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm very meaningful now about um, engaging our stakeholders, uh, be it providers or our HR managers or our end users, the employees, about before we, we do 
key changes, not little changes, but key changes. We make sure to engage and have those conversations um, uh, to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Mm-hmm. So it sounds, Peter, like this experience um, from looking externally and being able to listen to what the external stakeholders might have, whether it be the practitioners, uh, to your point, the HR managers, the actual employees who are going through the, uh, the platform um, to be able to identify problem points. I'm curious, how has that um, related more to your internal team? And how have you implemented that with uh, the team at Sino as you're growing? Well, we have we have five core values at Sino. And, and, and the one that I think everybody would always bring up uh, on a regular basis is fearless communication. Um, you know, that that's a, a critical part of how we operate internally. Um, and meaning and, and to kind of define that mm-hmm. is it means that that people have the ability to say what's on their mind, even when it might be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so another word that probably goes hand in hand with this is transparency. And that's kind of more of a top down model. So I'm extremely transparent with our full team. Um, I tell every, everyone on our team that they do see the table. They do have a say. I might not agree with it, um, but I want to hear it. Uh, I want to approach with an open mind. Uh, we, we might not end up going with your idea, but at least you've had your opportunity to say your piece and to be able to um, add value. And if I'm doing my job correctly, I'm entering into it with enough of an open mind that I'll admit that, you know, my preconceived notion might not be right. Um, and so I think that that concept of, of, uh, of creating that team approach that people have valued mm-hmm. opinions and not being steamrolled um, is probably the biggest thing that, that, that I, would, I would say from, from a team perspective. Mm, it sounds like a strong point in the sense of having transparency from a corporate perspective and then also from an internal perspective, kind of uh, managing expectations up is that fearless communication. What else is present in your environment for your employees to thrive? Um, well, we provide a, a couple of different things. Um, number one, uh, we, we eat our own dog food and that they all get access to Sino. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so all of our employees have unlimited access to all the providers on Sino. And that's, that's an important thing. And they do use it, which is, which is great to see. Um, but, um, the, the other piece is, is uh, we, we try our best to, we, we have a remote working culture, which I'm sure we're going to touch on now in a bit. So we're, we're a fully remote piece, but, but when, when I say fully remote, it doesn't mean that we don't provide workplaces for people. Um, so it, it's it's actually a very fundamental, different approach. Um, so we we will provide like co-working spaces and things like that and buy memberships for people if they want a place to go. Some don't, some do. Um, so all it means is that we will never have a boardroom where we have five people sitting in a boardroom and two people or three people up on a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we're in the same building, we all log into our own computers. Um, mm-hmm. And so everyone has exactly the same real estate on, on, on a call as the other person. There's no second class citizens. Um, we have employees now in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, Ontario, and BC. Um, and so we want to make sure that everyone feels like they have equal say at the table. So going back to that transparency and that having a seat at the table, it's really tough to have a seat at the table when you actually don't physically have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that, that's kind of the, uh, the, the mentality there that comes across. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really interesting, Peter, how you, you brought up the, you've changed the boardroom to being in person, to being a virtual boardroom. And shifting that so that, hey, even though we're, we might be in the same office or co-working space, we're all going to meet virtually and, and utilizing that to help level the playing field, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we were remote from day one. Uh, the first mm-hmm. t- two employees uh, that uh, I'm in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, but the first two employees we had were in Ontario. 
Um, so I would fly back and forth usually once every month and a half or so to have a little bit in person pieces there. And I flew them down here a couple of times and, and that's how we started the relationship, but we, we've never actually had like a head office per se. Um, so I, I think that's a part of our culture now and how we operate. Um, but we try our best to once or twice a year to be able to have retreats where we all get together uh, in person uh, for, for, for fun events or team building uh, capacities. Uh, obviously, we haven't been able to do that since the pandemic, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully to do that again when this all gets cleared up. Hmm. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, so really from day one, um, we've never really had that kind of boardroom mentality. We did try it a couple of times with, if we had a couple of people that might been like here, um, with, with me in, in Newfoundland and I stopped it really quickly, um, because it, it, it just completely destroyed the communication circle of people hmm. having to say at the table. And, and that's, that, that was the exact opposite of what I wanted. Mm, it, it sounds like there's a lot of intention in the way that you set up your team, how they communicate, how they're interacting to ensure that all team members have accessibility and meaningfulness behind, uh, you know, how their performance is impacted at Sino. So we're kind of curious in building out your team in multiple provinces across Canada. Did you have any uh, pain points in growing it? Uh, most definitely. Uh, we, we tried a couple different things. Um you know, I find that within the workforce, you either got people there on the far left or the far right when it comes to flexibility. Mm -hmm. uh, so the far right is, nope, it's nine to five. You come sit down in your cubicle and you leave. Um, you know, it's Monday to Friday. That's how we do things. Um, and then the far left, you have, it's completely willy-nilly in that you work whenever you want to. And, and and you know, we kind of, we, the people typically call it a... Um, you know, a performance driven culture, uh, but, uh, but, but there's zero parameters put on, on like structure in regard to when people are available for collaboration, things like that. So we yeah. started there, that, that, that's where we started, um, where, where we didn't, and when we were small as possible. Um, but as we, and we're still small, but as we, as we continue to grow our number of employees, uh, we realized that it was actually making the employees semi-uncomfortable because they didn't know what to be exposed, expected of them. Right. Um, and so yet, if you ask every employee, the biggest thing they want is flexibility. Um, nowadays, uh, you know, whenever you hire people, you say, what do you want? Would you have money or flexibility? They say flexibility. Um, that is the most important thing now, particularly in like the new generation coming up. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, all right, so we need to have a hybrid approach that allows for some flexibility, uh, yet still has some parameters of expectation. The other challenge that we had was time zones. Uh, mm -hmm. So people in BC and, and, and we're here in Newfoundland so, so, and everything between. So that's a four and a half hour swing. Of, of time zones. So what, what we came to the conclusion that the biggest thing we were important about was not whether or not we knew if people were working. That's not the big deal. What the big deal was is how do we collaborate? So how do we have an expectation of knowing when another team member is available and you need to talk to them about something important for the business? Because that's mm -hmm. what was happening. We're, we were finding that the work was getting done, but collaboration was hindered because you got two people that are working on a problem and they're like, oh, it'd be great to pull in this person. But like, you know, you, you reach out to them and they're out walking their dog for an hour or so. And you're like, oh, okay, now we just got to halt <laughs> the progress. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with walking your dog no, in the middle of the day, no. but, but it's just, there's no expectation set. Right. Um, so, so what we do is we instituted something called uh, the ideal day. So what we do is every single person that comes aboard our team, we let them pick what they want their ideal day to be. It's eight hours, um, but it can start and end whenever they like, um, on Monday through to Friday. Um, now, we don't have an expectation that they need to have necessarily work during their ideal day. All they're saying is I'm saying that this is the eight hours a day when I'm available for collaboration. Um, so it means I'm within arm's, arm's, arm's reach of my computer, uh, so I, I'm available to collaborate. 
Um, now, within that ideal day, we give people flexibility. We say, all right, if you need to um, get up and go to the gym or go for a walk or, or take kids to the park, whatever it's going to be, you have up to an hour and a half within that ideal day. That, and we have an availability channel and teams. You just post and say, hey, guys, I'm going to be out from 10 a.m. to 11, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time today. Great. We're all on the same page. We all know exactly mm-hmm. when people are and are not available and when they're coming back. That's mm-hmm. it. So, And we're very strict on that. You guys say, when you're leaving, when you're coming back. That's very important in the availability channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can just take up to an hour, up to an hour and a half. If you need more than an hour and a half, then we look at vacation time. So we also don't do the unlimited vacation time thing. I don't necessarily buy into that as a construct. Um, but uh, so if you need more than an hour and a half in a day, then you just request vacation time. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the, the idea is you still get your work done. So I don't care if you're actually working during those eight hours or not. If you want to work until midnight, that's cool if that fits your lifestyle. But I do need mm-hmm. to know when you're available to collaborate with the rest of the team. And the rest of the team needs to know that as well. Um, so, so that's a structure that we put in place that works extremely well so far. People enjoy the idea of having, if they know that they're all, what they're allowed and not allowed to do. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's a bit of peace there. There's a lot of research actually on, on living vacation that uh, could be interesting to look at for you guys, but um, that people actually end up taking less vacation typically. Uh, when it's on vacation because they're afraid of the optics of how it's going to be viewed and they don't know what's appropriate and what isn't uh, mm-hmm. versus if they're given here, you have this many days to use, then people tend to use it more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's another interesting piece there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's what we implemented to kind of figure out this remote working culture amongst the problems of time zones mm-hmm. and expectations. And, and, and it seems to be working quite well so far. Yeah. There's, there's strong undertones there, Peter, with regards to that piece of expectations and we've seen it too by way of trends that employees genuinely want to show up and do a good job, but when they don't know what's expected of them, that can impact their engagement and also the happiness and, and ultimately their productivity and how they're reaching their objectives. Um, I, I feel secure in speaking for both Scott and I. It's really interesting to hear your model because this isn't often spoke of with regards to you know, we don't care when you get your work done, get it done. We have objectives. We agree on our, our goals and when you're available. So it's also a little bit of, of respect and allowance for autonomy. So there's a lot there. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. And to add, I guess, to what Angie mentioned there, Peter, there's, there's a couple of things coming up for me um, around this autonomy piece. And, you know, you mentioned allowing people the independence to define what their ideal day looks like. Uh, knowing that, you know what, some people might actually work better in the mornings or work better in the evenings and allowing them to decide what their, you know, or understand their own energy level, like fluctuations in energy levels, and then be able to create their day according to that. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. And then the second piece that I've noticed, uh, it just this, this idea around communication. And so it's building up enough trust um, that I know you'll get the work done. But then second to that, just let me know what's going on. Whatever's going on, that's okay. That's fine. But just let everybody know so that we're all on the same page. Those expectations have been set and it's communicated across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious, given all the all the different things that you've you've offered, you know, the team within Sino and and not only like the Sino platform to the organizations you work with, um, have you noticed them seeking any other? Um, services or support um, during this time? Um, we, we definitely decide to, um, we give um, we give a dollar allotment each year that they can tap into for home office equipment. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if they need to buy like a, a new chair or, or something like that and we'll reimburse for that. So that's definitely been um, 
been another piece, um, you know, in addition to like your, your table stakes of like group benefits and stuff that we, we had those pieces as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, that, that's another interesting one because, you know, um, we've, we've gone with that model as opposed to always providing uh, equipment. We, we allow for people just get reimbursed for it. So it's kind of part of their compensation. So, you know, they, they don't feel like they're renting um uh, uh, uh like uh company equipment it is theirs um so that's been a little bit of a different approach that we've had um but yeah i can't can't think of uh off the top of my head now anything else that uh specifically um that that they, they've been asking for to uh other than the things we talked about um you know mm-hmm. in regard to um most employees as long as they feel like they they have a have a seat at the table and you're being very transparent with them um, I, I think I think that knowledge piece is huge. Um, you know, is knowing where the company is both financially um, and, and as a trajectory. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, I'm very transparent with them as to, to where we are on both those fronts. Um, another piece that we do for all of our employees is um, every employee gets uh, stock options. Um, so that's a, that's a, a piece uh, from a, I guess that's another piece from a compensation standpoint. But um, you know, we we make sure that uh, all employees once they finish the three month probationary period, they they are presented with an employee stock option plan. So we want every single one of our employees to feel um, like like they have ownership um, mm-hmm. uh, over over what we're doing with Sino and a vested interest in the success of the company more than just a paycheck. Um, so, so that's an important piece. And we really try to instill that from day one, telling people like, you know, we want you to own this piece and take pride in it. And, and also to be able to have some financial motivation to, for us to be successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot in there with regards to engagement and motivation. When it comes to alignment, you've talked a lot with regards to availability and communication transparency as well. Um, can you tell us a little bit more with regards to your approach in as Sino grows and as you grow as a CEO and your leadership team, how do you go about keeping employees aligned with your company vision? Um, number one is to say it again and again and say it loud. Um, you know, people need to be reminded what your vision is. So our vision is removing the barriers to accessibility of healthcare. Um, that that's that that's that's our mission. That's that's what why we operate. Um, you know, I just got off a call. We 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 collaborate with a lot of our clients actually. Um, a, a really top big topic right now we're trying to tackle is diversity and inclusion. Um, and and when we look at barriers uh, to people accessing getting access to the right type of provider they need in their journey, and it's going to be different for everybody. Um, you know, we look at the barriers. So like we talked a lot of them already with regard to geography, availability, uh, money. Uh, remove that piece for the employees as well um and but a diverse inclusion is one one as well and and we take all of them very seriously um and that we want to make sure that there's no barrier if someone comes and they need to see a person with a, a certain diverse background or need to see a person with a certain uh availability in the time of the day or need to see a person that is even offering a very specific specialty that they need to see these are all barriers that that we need to remove to, to make sure that um those people can can see the right provider that's right for them um so so yeah so that's uh that, that's that's definitely um, an important piece uh, when it, when it comes to that. So um, so one is is that mission. Uh, you know, um, just make sure that people understand. Saying again and again. Uh, next is our core values, and and so when we hire people, we we hire people off our core values. Um, we remind. Um, I, I I probably can do it even more, but reminding our employees on a regular basis of what our core values are and what what, what makes us move forward uh, when it comes to those core values and, and how we make decisions and how, how we uh, how we bring people on and, and, and the, the next steps we make as a company. So I would say from an alignment standpoint, um, that's probably the two things, are our, our mission, our core values, and make sure we say them again and again. Mm, fantastic. Okay. And so 
We really appreciate you sharing your insights with us uh, here today and building Sino. And so our, our last question we'd like to ask is, what are three words of inspiration that you'd want the world to hear? Um, from, from an inspiration standpoint, um, I, I'm not convinced I'm the most inspiring leader in the world, so I don't know if I got three words for you. But uh, <laughs> other, other than to, um, other than to say um, that it, it almost comes full circle back to almost the first thing we talked about, which is taking the first step. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, that's probably the hardest step to take. It's where the most risk lies in failure, um, and and it's not knowing about those three and fourth steps. So. I don't think I have words other than to say to take that first step um, because the the third and fourth ones, while the second one might be failure and, and you, you got to almost come to grips with that and, and that that's okay. Um, but almost without fail, the third and fourth are always much, much better than the first and second. Um, so, so it's, it's having, it's having the, the, the guts and the motivation to be able to take that first step. And that's what we did for everybody. Some people, it's it's just it, it, intrinsically they're they're more apt towards making the, that first step and, and it's kind of inborn. Other people, um, it can be learned. Um, I, I don't think I don't think that courage is is either uh, um, you kind of a yes or no, a one or a zero. I, I think I think it's a piece that people need to spend time on and to work towards. And uh, and and it's just easier for some people than others. And it's just like every skill they can possibly build. You know, mm -hmm. some people you know playing hockey comes really easy to them. Other people got to work hard at it. Um, but. Uh, but, but I think the ability um, and the courage to take that first step is something that, that can be learned for people who don't feel like they have it. Um, so I don't know if that's inspirational or not, but um, full well knowing that that's kind of the first piece that people, if they're going to be successful or at least have a hope to success in that path, um, the only thing they really got to focus on is kind of taking the first step. Hmm. That's most definitely inspirational, Peter. And you have a strong ability to paint almost a roadmap of what things can look like. And for most people, it's like they know that they have a fear or hesitation of taking that first step or they don't know what's going on with that third or fourth step. So you filling in those blanks would definitely um, be uh, valid information for our subscribers for sure. Yeah. So thank you very much uh, for joining us today. We really appreciate sharing your entrepreneurial insights with performance and with our subscribers. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And for those who would like to learn more about uh, Sino, we will provide a link to Peter's company's profile uh, on the Elevate Business Podcast title page. Take good care. Thank you very much for all of our subscribers to tuning in into another great episode of the Elevate Business uh, Podcast. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuityperformance.com where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort 
by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.